I'm very well, thank you. My pleasure to join you. Arman Alawalia. Thank you so much, Eugenie. This is uh, quite an honor. I appreciate you uh, you extending the offer to, to come here and speak today. Pedro diaz Rudal. First of all, thanks for having me and excited, you know, to be part of this podcast. Ronan Doniger. Huge. Thank you very much, I suppose, first of all, for having me on your show. Dean Butchen. The key point is ask, 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 and never give up. And welcome to ePROcast. Hey, everybody. This is The Big E, and welcome back to another episode of ePROcast. The main mission is to help you getting closer to that job in the sports business. Each episode, I have professionals and entrepreneurs from the sports industry from all over the world joining me and sharing their stories about how they got started, what challenges they have faced on the way, and all this to help put you in a better spot to get that internship, part-time, full-time role, or even motivate you to start your own business in this industry. I hope you do get a lot of value out of these conversations and insights. If you do, don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast to get notified whenever a new episode goes live. And also, it gives context to others why this is worth their time. Also, if you have a friend who might benefit from this content, please share it. And if you have any questions, I answer all the DMs. My Instagram is at huge.pro and I am at Procopi Eugenio on Twitter. To make it even more fun, if you have an idea of a podcast episode or want to hear someone specifically on the show that would be valuable to the audience, don't hesitate to let me know and we will try to make it reality. In today's episode, I am talking to Peter Dinwiddie, the VP of Basketball Operations at Indiana Pacers. Peter has always wanted to work in sports, and the way he achieved it is definitely unorthodox, but you'll get to hear that from him directly. Fun fact, we recorded this episode the week of the restart of the NBA season that is still going on in Orlando, Florida. And it is released now, right when the Pacers unfortunately lost in their first round of playoffs to Miami Heat, which I personally think has been the most uncomfortable team to play against in this season. But I'm happy for the team who discovered a great potential in TJ Warren, one of the bubble MVPs, and also great performance by Victor Oladipo and the guys. Sadly, we didn't see DeMantas Sabonis, who was out due to an injury. So overall, great performance and what a better timing to share this episode. So without further ado, let's get right into it. All right, guys. So welcome back to a new episode of ePROcast. Uh, I'm your host, The Big E, and I have alongside me Peter Dinwiddie, the VP of Basketball Operations at Indiana Pacers. He graduated from Indiana University in Bloomington and played for the IU rugby team. This is actually how I got connected with Peter through my good friend, David Bryan, uh, the CEO of Legendborn. By the way, shout out to you, David. And Doc Sales, uh, who has been uh, has been a professor at IU for many, many years now. Peter, welcome to ePROcast. And uh, please share a bit more about your background and how you got to work in sports. Yeah, Eugenie, first, um, you know, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, so, you know, my background um, is a little bit different. I went, as you said, I went to Indiana University and I graduated from IU in 1999. While I was at IU, um, 
I knew I wanted to try to work in uh, pro sports. Obviously, I knew I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. So um, I did some research when I was at IU, and I learned that a lot of individuals working in front offices or sports teams had a law degree. So I figured that my next step um, would be going to law school, and then I would try and use my law degree uh, in the sports industry. So in 2001, I went to New England School of Law, uh, which is in Boston, Massachusetts, um, and I was there for three years. And during my time um, at New England School of Law, I was able to do three different internships. Um, my first internship was with Patty Jones, and Patty's an entertainment attorney, and she's also an adjunct professor at the law school. Um, and so that was an unbelievable opportunity, a great experience, and a really um, I learned a lot of practical skills of what, um, you know, attorneys who are practicing in the entertainment industry, um, what they do on a daily basis. And so I really enjoyed uh, that experience. But, you know, as I said, I wanted to try and work um, in sports. So after working for Patty, I was able to receive an internship with the New England Patriots. Um, and that was an unbelievable experience. I worked for uh, Jack Mula, who was their director of uh, legal and business affairs. And so I got to deal somewhat uh, with some football operations deals, but, you know, majority of what we were working on was on the um, business side, but a lot of marketing agreements, a lot of sponsorship agreements, but I love the culture and I love the experience that um, I had at the Patriots. Um, there, it was really all the different departments within the Patriots organization came together and they um, were trying to accomplish one goal and everyone was trying to Roll in the same direction in order to, um, you know, win a Super Bowl. And so I loved that experience. Um, and then after working uh, for the Patriots or interning for the Patriots, I received an internship uh, with Kristen Kaliga. And Kristen is a principal at K Sports Entertainment, which is a sports agency. And so I'd been on the management side. I'd been working for the Patriots, but then I wanted to, you know, see what life on the uh, representation side was like. And so, um, you know, Kristen gave me an opportunity and I really enjoyed the experience I had um, at K-Sports and Entertainment and it really opened my eyes to what life is like, um, you know, being an agent. And, you know, at the end of the day, after, you know, kind of evaluating the full circle of, um, you know, being an agent and then also working on the management side, um, you know, as you said, with rugby, you know, I kind of had that team mentality um, like on the rugby pitch, it's 15 guys working together. And on the Patriots, I kind of had the experience of all the different departments coming together um, to try and accomplish a goal. So I said, you know, I'm going to try and see if I can receive an opportunity um, with the professional team in the operations side. And so after law school, um, I moved back to Indianapolis. I took the bar exam in Indianapolis and I passed the bar exam. But during that time period, I'd, I'd sent resumes to all um, 32 NFL teams, all 30 NBA teams, um, Major League Baseball teams, hockey teams. And I was just trying to break in and receive any opportunity, um, you know, with the sports franchise. Unfortunately, I was not successful, um, but I was uh, fortunate to receive an opportunity um, as a contract attorney with the finish line. I don't know the finish line. It's um, athletic. It's a retail athletic apparel company and their corporate headquarters are in Indianapolis. And so I received an opportunity um, as a contract attorney and I was reviewing uh, different lease agreements um, 
And during the time period there, I was very fortunate and thankful uh, for the opportunity. But at the same time, I knew I was passionate about the sports industry. I wanted to try and get back into it. Um, so, and then a player, uh, individual on the rugby team, Trent Hahn, his father, Greg Hahn, um, I had connected with Greg and I talked to him and he was friends with David Morland, who was the Pacers GM and Greg reached out to David on my behalf and told David of my interest. And David said, you know, unfortunately we don't have anything on the operation side, but let me see if we have anything on the business side. Um, David got back to Greg and said, you know, we have an opportunity um, on the business side. It's as an account exec um, and it's a ticket sales rep. And so the account exec at the time, it was the bottom of the totem pole, um, you know, and I told Greg, I said, yeah, you know, I want to get my foot in the door. I'm willing to do whatever. So I, I applied uh, for the position. Um, I was fortunate to receive an interview. And then after the interview, uh, I received the opportunity so, um, you know, my first job, um, you know, with the Pacers as an account exec, I had a base salary of $13,000 and then we were making 10% commission on all the sales and the climate, um, the sales climate at the time wasn't extremely positive. There had been some off-court issues uh, that had occurred with the team in Indianapolis. So there weren't a lot of people who were interested in purchasing, um, you know, full season ticket packages half season ticket packages or, you know, mini packages. So, you know, it was a tough um, sales climate, but I wanted to do it just because I knew I was passionate about the sports industry. I wanted to try and do, um, I wanted to at least give myself a chance to see, see, see if I could, um, you know, make a career in the sports industry. So I took the opportunity. Um, I was able to have some success um, selling tickets. And after about six months, I transitioned from the account exec um, position, but I became a group event specialist. And so my uh, focus now was on selling um, group tickets. So groups of 20 or more people that would come out, they receive um, just kind of discounted price points. They receive certain benefits. Um, and so I did that. And at the same time, Donnie Walsh, um, who still works for the uh, Pacers, but at the time he was CEO, of the franchise, he's also an attorney and he found out there's attorney working in ticket sales. And so Donnie had his assistant, Susie Fisher, reach out um, to Brenda Smith at the time. Uh, now it's Brenda Freeland, but, um, and Brenda reached out to me and said, would you be interested in talking to Donnie Walsh? Um, you know, of course, uh, so I'd be more, more than happy to. So um, they set up an appointment. I went down, I met with Donnie. I told Donnie, um, how I was passionate about trying to transition over into the basketball side. Um, and Donnie said, okay, let's meet again. And a couple of weeks later, I met with Donnie for a second time. But then after the third meeting, Donnie said, um, you know, what I'd like to do is give you some projects and just kind of mentor you. Um, and after, you know, I give you an assignment, you can come back and I'll review the assignment with you and give you some uh, feedback, um, critique it one way or another. And he gave me access to a couple of the uh, databases on the basketball side as well. Um, and so I, I did that. I was still in group sales. Um, I became a uh, manager of group sales, I think, in 2008. And I was still um, working with Donnie, you know, once or twice a month. And then in 2008, Donnie left to become the uh, president of the uh, New York Knicks. And when I talked to Donnie, um, 
he called me down to his office, let me know of his plans to leave. And he said, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen, um, you know, with you. I don't know if I'm going to have any opportunities in New York for you, but I am going to talk to Larry um, to see if Larry, you know, has a need for someone with your skill set on his staff. And so then it was about a month later, I was sitting in my cubicle, um, my phone rang and, you know, on the Carl ID, it said Larry Bird. I picked up the phone. Um, Larry asked me to come down to his office. So I went down and, uh, you know, Larry introduced himself to me. And, you know, of course, I knew exactly who Larry was. Um, yep. <laughs> I introduced myself to him. And, you know, Larry said, based on the recommendation um, that he received from Donnie Walsh, Larry wanted to extend me an opportunity to work um, in his front office as director of basketball administration. And so, you know, obviously, I uh, accepted that opportunity. Um, and that was in April um, of 2008. Now, unfortunately... I had been promoted to uh, manager of group sales at the time in the uh, Indiana fever season was just starting. And so we sold both uh, for the Indiana Pacers and the Indiana fever. And so I couldn't leave my business role at that time. I uh, committed to working um, as in my current role as uh, a manager of group sales through the end of the fever season. So I was working kind of as director of basketball administration and the manager of uh, group sales until September. And then in September, I transitioned fully to a uh, director of basketball administration. Wow. That's, that's crazy. How, how did you feel, uh, you know, working in two positions at the same time? Was it challenging? <laughs> it was definitely challenging. Um, but, you know, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of lace, late nights at the office. Um, you know, shortly thereafter, I moved from a cubicle into an office, which gave me a little bit more privacy. Um, you know, we had, I currently have four kids. Um, our youngest son was born July of uh, 2008. So just trying to balance everything was uh, challenging. But, you know, thankfully, my wife's a saint and she, um, you know, allowed me and gave me some freedom so that I could, you know, kind of focus on, um, you know, all my duties as the uh, manager of um, group sales. And then also, um, you know, after I finished all those duties, I'd stay and um, assist David Moreway um, with, you know, any type of jobs that he, you know, any projects that he needed help with, um, just because the off season is extremely busy on the basketball side. So you're dealing with the draft, you're dealing with free agency, you're dealing with planning, um, you know, 2008. We had Danny Granger. Um, we extended him, and so we were trying to, you know, put together some different projections and models to figure out what his value would be. Um, and then, you know, looking at all the different numbers and then filling those numbers in the spreadsheets and seeing how, you know, projecting what the cap's going to be and trying to figure out how we're going to manage the books, um, you know, with Danny and different numbers. So there's a lot on the plate. But, um, you know, it was challenging, but I loved it. You know, if I didn't enjoy it, I don't think I would have been able to do it just because of the amount of work it was. But, um, you know, I enjoyed my opportunities with the fever. Then I also enjoyed, you know, the opportunities on the basketball side as well. Right, right. And to give a little bit of a brief context, because uh, you mentioned you've been both in business, at, uh, you know, from the business uh, aspect at Pacers and also from the operational now. How is the organization broken down at the moment when it comes what what's falling under the operations umbrella what's falling under business umbrella just to give a little bit of context to the audience what's what 
you know, thankfully with our organization, we're very well integrated. We have a president of business operations and that's Rick Fusen. And then we have a president of basketball operations and that's Kevin Pritchard. But, you know, we're one company. We're Pacer Sports and Entertainment and everyone's under one umbrella. And, you know, there's a crossover um, between the um, different divisions. And there has to be just if you're trying to, you know, run a successful organization communication is extremely key. You got to make sure everyone's on the same page. Um, you know, an issue that impacts the team is also going to impact the business side. So we got to make sure we keep everyone abreast of what's going on. Um, but on the business side, you've got, you know, marketing departments, you've got ticket sales, you've got uh, corporate partners, corporate partnerships, which is uh, selling all the different sponsorship deals. You've got um, IT, you got community relations, um, You've got your finance division, you've got facilities. So, I mean, there are a lot of different, um, you know, operations on the business side and the basketball side. Um, you know, you've got a front office, you've got scouts, you've got coaches, you've got sports medicine, you've got performance, um, you've got analytics, you've got operations, you've got security, media relations. So there's, a, you know, like I said, there's a lot of crossover between both of the uh, divisions. Um, which, you know, there has to be in order to run a successful franchise. Right. And um, Peter, let's talk a, a bit about your role in the Pacers at the moment uh, as uh, VP of Basketball Operations. And what are your day-to-day -day responsibilities look like or a day of work at the Bankers Life Fieldhouse, the home of Pacers? I don't know if you're now over there or you're working from home, but just let's walk our audience through a day of life of Peter Dinwiddie. Yeah, no, Eugene, I mean, that's one of the positive things or one of the things I really enjoy about my job is, um, you know, there isn't a daily, like each day is different. I don't know what I'm going to um, work on each and every day. Obviously, I have an idea of, you know, hey, this is some of the tasks I want to accomplish today. But, you know, I always say you're a phone call away from, you know, a new issue arising or, um, you know, trying to put out a fire. Now, obviously, a lot of what we do is dictated by the league calendar. Um, the league calendar currently goes from July 1 to June 30th, obviously, um, you know, do the hiatus. And now we've got the restart occurring. Uh, the calendar has been shifted. Um, you know, usually this time of year, you're kind of taking a deep breath and unwinding because you've got through, you've gone through the playoffs, you've gone through the finals, you've gone through the draft, you've gone through free agency. Um, but now, you know, Saturday, we have our first game. Uh, so, you know, mentally just trying to refocus and um, recalibrate has been, you know, a challenge. But usually what you're working on is dictated by the league calendar. So, you know, I just I talked about the draft. I talked about free agency. Um, then you got training camp. Then you got preseason. Then you got regular season games. You know, at the same time, um, we have a G League franchise, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. So in August, uh, you start putting together uh, the G League roster. Um, and then sign in all those deals. And then after our training camp, the uh, G League players um, begin their training camp. And then you have the trade deadline um, in February. Um, and then March, you know, our season really starts to ramp up as well. Then you've got, you, you know, um, continue to prepare for the draft. So a lot of times in March, front office execs will get out and watch a lot of the different um, college conference uh, tournaments, which are occurring. Um, and, you know, and then maybe take, you know, another trip overseas to watch some more international prospects um, and then come back. So, you know, like I said, you obviously you have an idea of what 
depending on the time of year, what you're going to be working on. But, you know, from a day-to-day basis, everything, you know, it always changes. Um, you know, like I said, there'd be days where I, you know, get to the office and I, um, you know, I have a to-do list and I've got things that I want to, you know, work on. And all of a sudden, you know, it'd be six o'clock at, at night. And the first item on my list, you know, I haven't even completed yet just because, you know, a couple of other items or issues um, arose that, you know, just kind of needed my attention. So it's just kind of a shift. And, um, you know, our president of basketball operations, Kevin Pritchard, he always says you've got to be willing to call audibles. And, you know, we're calling a lot of audibles just because <laughs> uh, things change, you know, so uh, constantly. Right. I think it's uh, going to bed and waking up is the only uh, same things uh, that looks looks like every day. <laughs> yeah, All right, um, Peter. Before and we'll talk. We'll just touch a little bit the uh, the you know the bubble subject and so on. But uh, getting before getting there, uh, what do you like the most in your current role? Um, you know what I really like the most is that each and every day is different. Um, I really like. Um, you know, coming in and, you know, have an idea of what I'm going to work on, but at the same time, knowing that, you know, things change so quickly that, um, you know, I could be pulled in a different direction and, you know, it just keeps you fresh mentally because you got to be willing to, uh, you know, think on your feet. And, you know, there are times where you have to come up with, um, you know, timely solutions to issues um, just because if you let the issues linger, um, you know, the small fire or small issue could become bigger and so, um, you know, just staying mentally fresh, mentally sharp, and, you know, knowing that you always got to be on your toes. Absolutely. Peter, the NBA season starts uh, tonight, <laughs> resumes tonight. And uh, uh, personally, I can't be more excited, you know, to see 22 teams uh, get back in action, you know, even though it's in a bubble, but, you know, at least uh, unless it's safe, I think it's the, it's the way to do it. We saw some... Uh, unfortunate situations with baseball restarting their season and, you know, uh, the Marlins getting a couple of players uh, tested positive, but uh, hopefully we won't see that in uh, NBA. How are you operating in the current scenario with the pandemic going on? You know, the league has done an unbelievable job creating the bubble. And I know a lot of people have been, you know, focusing on everything the league has done in Orlando to create the bubble environment. Um, you know, I know the league put out a press release yesterday saying that, um, you know, since the last round of testing, they have had no, they have um, zero positive case of the virus in the bubble, which is unbelievable. But the league, prior to getting teams to Orlando, the league did an unbelievable job of setting up all the different rules and health and safety protocols that each team needed to implement in their own facilities um, to create a safe and clean environment. And so, you know, it was kind of a two-part, you know, process. And you had everything the league did prior to team's departure. And the league, obviously, they built in plenty of cushions because the league knew, hey, it's a pandemic. Um, you know, you can't really control the virus. We're just trying to um, mitigate and contain the virus. And so they knew there would be some um, players that tested positive. And so, you know, they built in the cushion to allow those players to recover, to quarantine and then still be able to travel and arrive, um, you know, with their teams in Orlando. And then obviously, you know, all the uh, steps the league has taken um, in Orlando has been unbelievable just to create a safe and sanitary environment. And, um, 
you know, you see it's early on and, you know, there's a lot of basketball that, you know, needs to be played and you got to continue to stress the importance of everyone following the guidelines, but it's really been impressive and unbelievable, you know, the uh, success that the league has. And I think, you know, so much of that success is because of everything the league um, emphasized prior to teams departing and um, all the educational sessions, which occurred with the players in the league and getting everyone on the same page um, in the communication, um, you know, is paramount and the league has, you know, excelled and done, you know, a great job um, in those different areas. And, you know, I've been proud to, you know, be part of the process. It's been extremely enjoyable. I've learned so much uh, during this process. Um, and, you know, it's been enjoyable to con- continue to watch, um, you know, and see the success the league has, you know, had up to this point uh, in Orlando. Absolutely. And I truly believe I'm, I'm following all the, you know, sports uh, news, sports podcasts and so on. And I see everyone is just... Um, saying really awesome words to NBA for creating that safe environment in, in Orlando for, uh, for putting all the, you know, protocols step-by-step step, what happens if, what happens if what's in case someone is testing positive and so on and so forth. So, forth. so I think that's, that's really a great example to lead, to lead by. I believe working for, uh, for an uh, NBA franchise is a dream for, for a lot of the listeners and for many young guys and gals out there. I think it would be really valuable uh, for the audience if you could share how they could join an organization like Pacers or any other, you know, in the uh, in in the league, and what are the top skills or personality traits um, the organization is looking in first position when someone wants to when someone is getting an interview for a internship or part time or full time role. Yeah, um, Eugene, I know you just, you know, touched upon internships. I think uh, internships are extremely valuable. Obviously, the route I took um, was a little unorthodox because I transitioned from the business side to the basketball side. But I tell individuals now all the time, like, the path I took probably doesn't make the most sense um, for, you know, an individual trying to break into the sports industry now. Because when I was doing it, teams didn't have internships on the operations side of the business. But now I believe all 30 NBA teams have a basketball operations internships. You know, I believe most of them have multiple internships and basketball operations. Um, you know, unfortunately, due to the pandemic, a lot of teams have had to kind of uh, suspend those current internships. Um, I know we have um, internally had to do that. And I know I've talked to several colleagues um, and their franchises, their teams have taken that same position. But I think internships, you know, are key. I know um, when we look to hire um an entry-level position, a lot of times we, when we look at the candidates, we go back and look at our internship pool because we know how these individuals fit into the culture that we've created here with the Pacers. And so you know, an intern might not be able to parlay their internship um, into a job right away, but you never know down the road if an opportunity is going to present itself and you've done a good job in the internship. I think the organization is probably going to think about you know, you to fill um, that role. So I think for individuals trying to break in, uh, trying to receive, you know, an internship um, with as many teams as possible. I tell all of our interns all the time, um, you know, after they leave here, try and do an internship with another team. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You want to try and, you know, have a broad network um, and meet as many people as possible. Try and uh, intern with as many different uh, organizations as possible. Obviously, uh, when I was in law school, I had three different internships 
um, in three, you know, with three different organizations and entities, um, just because I wanted, you know, I, I wanted to try and learn as much as possible. Um, and, you know, that's kind of the same for individuals trying to break into the sports industry. I think the more teams you can uh, conduct internships with, you're going to continue to increase your opportunities of landing a position um, with the front office. Right. And what are the, um, the values that you guys at Paces are sharing that are sh- you're showing to the, to the community, you know, that whoever are joining, of course, you would look at someone uh, to join the organization who are meeting those um, who are looking the same way, you know, like the same, who would have the same vision or mission, if you know what I'm trying to say. So what are those visions or missions of, or, you know, values uh, that, that you're looking into, into the prospects? Yeah, no, Eugenia, that's a great question. So, um, you know, kind of like the team that um, we build and put together, um, the fit is so important. Um, you know, obviously, you're not just looking at talent, you're trying to build a team. And so that's what we look at, you know, with the front office as well. We want individuals that are going to fit into the culture uh, that we've created. Um, you know, we've had interns in the past that are extremely, you know, smart. Um, but sometimes, you know, they might think, uh, I'm too smart or too good to do a menial task. Well, um, you know, we don't have the largest staff. And so there are times where everyone's got to, you know, chip in and do tasks that, you know, might be outside their job duties, but, you know, you got to have that mentality that, um, I'm here and I'm, you know, willing to do whatever it takes to help this franchise continue to move in the right direction to help the team win. Um, and, you know, even if that is doing a task that, you know, you might think uh, you're too good to do. I mean, you know, there are plenty of times I'll help, um, you know, go to the mailroom, bring packages back or, you know, hey, if we got um, we were in India with the team and we didn't have um, the same support staff that we had. So, you know, I was carrying bags uh, from the bus into the locker room just to help the equipment manager out. And so you got to have that mindset that you got to be willing to do, you know, whatever it takes. And so interns that have that mindset um, and they're also, you know, interns that are, you know, likable interns that, um, you know, bring positivity, bring sunshine to the office. Um, uh, You want to have that on a day-to-day basis um, in your front office, in the environment. So, you know, those are some, you know, important characteristics and traits that we look for when we're trying to add to our front office and continue to, you know, grow and develop our culture. Tremendous. Peter, what is your most uh, memorable sporting event uh, you've ever been to and why? Uh, it might not be connected to to uh, Pacers, of course. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, with, with the Pacers, um, I think it's really, I don't have one. Um, I have so many great memories, especially... Um, the team in 2012, 13, 13, 14, those teams went to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and I was still pretty young. In 2012, I became uh, vice president of Basketball Operations. And so I just didn't realize how hard it is to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, you're in the Final Four. And that was so much fun, just watching those teams. Once you get to the playoffs, to you know, continue to advance is extremely difficult. And... Um, you know, in 2013, we were the three seed and we beat the Knicks, who were the um, 
two seed and game six was an unbelievable environment, unbelievable experience. Uh, Roy Hibbert had an unbelievable block on Carmelo Anthony. Um, and, you know, we wanted, if we would, we were uh, open the series three, two, and then obviously game six was the uh, elimination, elimination game. And so um, we clinched the series by winning that, but that game was back and forth. There was a tense atmosphere. We didn't want to go back to Madison Square Garden to, you know, play the Knicks on their home uh, court for a game seven. So, you know, that was a special game, but just those two years, 2012, 13, 13, 14, having the teams that, you know, um, advanced and reached back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals, unbelievable, you know, memories. Um, I still, you know, think about how special those times were um, and just, you know, it brought the entire, you know, city community community together and, um, you know, the entire state was, you know, happy and supportive and, um you know, it was just really fun, exciting times for our city and state. And then, um, you know, talking about rugby, I mean, probably my most fun uh, sporting event was um, 1998, our rugby team. We advanced to the uh, Final Four. Um, and that was, you know, so much fun. Um, we got beat our first game by Stanford. Then we got beat um, our second game by Navy. But they were just extremely, you know, fun. Um Nationally, our rugby team program wasn't really thought or didn't receive a ton of uh, respect. And so it was just fun kind of being the underdog, having that mentality. Um, you know, we, we competed with Stanford. Uh, we competed with Navy. Um, you know, both the scores of both those games, they were extremely close uh, matches and they're a lot of fun. And um, it just helped elevate the uh, IE rugby program. And it was a, a fun and special experience, um, you know, something I'll never forget. Absolutely. And uh, before the call, for, just for, for the for, on the record for, for the audience, I shared with Peter the uh, the fact that I refereed um, IU versus Iona at, in Bloomington um, last year. Uh, it was a preseason, but it was during the uh, alumni day. And uh, we're just having fun because IU grew a lot of talent, a lot of uh, notice, noticeable people and, you know, big big personalities like, uh, you know, I'll say Peter, I'll uh, add here Mark Cuban and, you know, everyone getting to, you know, to get together once a year. I think it's a great, it's a great uh, day and, uh, and it's definitely an event that no IU alum want to, uh, to miss. Uh, Peter, you just, uh, you mentioned you got back from your vacation uh, a few days ago and you got back into the grind mode at, uh, <laughs> at, at the organization. But what have you been up to lately? What uh, you've been reading, watching, or listening? Yeah, no. Um, so a book I'm currently reading, uh, reading is called MVP Machine. Um, it's Kevin Pritchard, who I, I mentioned earlier, our president. He recommended that. It's been great. Just talks about um, you know player development, a lot of the uh, steps that baseball teams have taken to try and improve um, their teams through player development. Obviously, analytics. Um, have been huge in baseball um, and now teams are in baseball utilizing analytics uh, differently just to try and um, you know gain an event gain an advantage I mean obviously you know the whole money ball era has somewhat um, you know passed and now teams are looking for that next competitive advantage and you know player development is something that our franchise um, you know has stressed for a long time just being a small market team um, you know We've had success building teams through the draft and then just uh, developing 
the players uh, here internally and also with our uh, G League team, the Fort Wayne Maddie. And so, um, you know, it's a really good book. About three-fourths of the way done. Um, you know, I've enjoyed it. So it's good. And then also I've just um, been trying to educate myself and trying to uh, listen and learn as much as possible about a lot of the uh, social issues um, that have, you know, been in the um, U.S. and around the world, you know, recently. Um, you know, we have a player on our team, Malcolm Brogdon, um, who has been unbelievable. Uh, he's been uh, outspoken. He's been on a lot of different, um, you know, national media shows and, um, you know, voices, opinions. Miles Turner has been very active. Justin Holiday has been very active. And so, you know, I've just been trying to learn and listen and educate myself as much as possible about a lot of the injustices which have, you know, occurred uh, not only in our country, but in other parts of the world as well. Um, so just been listening to a lot of different podcasts, reading um, a ton of different articles, a lot of stories, and just trying to get, um, you know, a much better idea um, and, you know, much better understanding um, about, you know, a lot of the uh, systemic, you know, issues um, which have occurred in our um, in the U.S. and throughout the world for a long time. Right. And, um Peter, we'll, uh, I'll invite you to play the reactions game with me, but just a quick question before doing that. You mentioned the players, you know, how important it is to continuously uh, helping to educate them, you know, uh, what's going off, off the court. What has been, and I think this will be really valuable to the current athletes or uh, just everyone who is doing sports right now, but they don't know what, what will the life after, after sports, uh, after the, their career would look like. What is uh, Pacers doing at the moment with the players? What activities in order to keep them engaged and educate them on on what the life after their career would look like? So we have um, in our franchise, we have a player relations um, department and the player relations department consists consists of uh, three people. Karen Atkinson's our vice president of player relations. And so a lot of what that department focuses focuses on is transitioning, trying to get the guys as many life skills as possible to help them transition with their uh, post-playing career. Obviously, the average career of an NBA player, it might have changed, but at one time it was 3.4 years. And so while you're playing the game, you never, you know, see the end coming. You always think you're going to play forever. Um, but obviously, you know, unfortunately, that's not the reality. So any anything we can do just to kind of you know help prepare our, prepare our guys for life after basketball, um, you know obviously, you know our culture we look at everyone you know as one family, it's one big family. We want to support the family members as much as possible, and you know one thing we want to do is try and you know put the players in position to be as successful as possible post playing career. So um, you know we have speakers that come in, um, we have different educational workshops um, that we do throughout the course of the season, just to kind of help prepare the guys, give the guys um, different life lessons and there are different skills that they can utilize uh, post-playing career, just because it's extremely important. Um, you know, when you're here with our franchise, obviously, um, you know, it's important, you know, what you do on the court, um, but, you know, off the court as well, we want to put everyone in, you know, position to be successful. Right. And what has been the most popular activity when it comes to the education? Is it uh, the financial education, you know, like maybe investing or, you know, like investing in startups and so on? Or was it more on uh, potentially becoming coaches or, you know, data, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. So, you know, we have 
overall, you know, workshops. And I think the financial literacy programs that we put on are extremely important just to kind of, um, you know, give the guys, bring in different speakers and, um, you know, so the guys can hear different perspe- different perspectives on what they can do to set themselves up, you know, financially, post-playing career, and, you know, some of the, um, educate them on some of the players who have not had success uh, managing their money uh, during, the play, during their playing career. I know, obviously, ESPN uh, put out the uh, documentary, one of their 30 for 30 programs called Broke. Um, and I know, um, you know, some, uh, some clips from that segment, have been shown and just, you know, trying to show the players that, you know, this is real life. Um, you know, here's some things that we can help you with to make sure that, you know, you're not put in the same position. And so I think the financial literacy, you know, educational pieces that we do, um, the players definitely appreciate. Um, and, you know, we have, we receive positive feedback, but then also individually, you know, different players have different interests. And so a lot of players will come up and let different members of the front office know, of some of their um, individual interests, you know, post playing career. And then we can help um, kind of set up, put those individuals and in, um, co- connect them with um, someone as kind of like a mentor that can answer some more of their questions. If it's in, you know, obviously, if we don't have the resources internally, um, then we'll turn um, to, you know, maybe one of our cor- corporate partners or, um, you know, if it's politics, a political figure, just, you know, some type of business mentor that we can put these individuals in touch with um, just to provide them the resources and, you know, help educate them and give them someone that can help answer some of their questions better than we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Peter. So the reactions game, I'm going to name a public figure or a association and a word, a combination of words. And you have to tell me the first reaction first uh word that comes to your mind all right yeah all right um nba phenomenal uh victor oladipo all-star indianapolis colts Peyton manning banker's life uh, field house uh best arena in the nba and last but not least goga bitadze uh, so talented bright future Awesome. I remember we were talking about Goga uh, and it's just, it's just awesome. I think he's both with Pacers and he's also getting games in, in the G League, isn't it? He definitely. So yes, he, um, Goga, he played, you know, several games for us. And then at the same time, um, you know, he's played some games for four-way Mad Ants and, you know, he's an unbelievable player, extremely, you know, excited about his future, um, you know, with the current makeup of the team, having Miles Turner, um, Demonis Sabonis, um, there wasn't, you know, a ton of opportunity for Goga to get, you know, some of the minutes he probably deserved during the regular season. So having the opportunity for him to go up to Fort Wayne to, um, you know, continue to play is great. I think, you know, players, they can do a lot um, development wise during practice, but, you know, one of the best ways for players to um, continue to grow and develop is by, you know, playing games and having the opportunity for that to occur in the G league has been, you know, phenomenal for Goga. And, um, you know, I think he's really appreciated having the opportunity to go to Fort Wayne. Um, you know, I know he's always excited about, um, you know, playing. And so, um, you know, his mentality is phenomenal. Um, you know, anytime he's in Fort Wayne, I, I'm up there as well watching. And, you know, I've really, um, I always enjoy watching him play and I'm excited about him. I think uh, he's going to have an extremely successful career in the NBA. That's awesome. Peter, 
Thank you for uh, taking the time to join me on this chat. Um, I truly appreciate that. If someone would love to connect uh, with you, I know you're a very busy man and you're getting into a long uh, season, <laughs> uh, you know, for, for, for a couple of months. But just in case, if someone has, a, you know, uh, wants to find out more or has a specific question that only you might be able to, add, to answer it uh, regarding your path or your experience and so on, what would be the best way to do it? Um, email Eugene is probably the best. Um, and my email it says P Dinwiddie, so P and then D I N W I D D I E, and then at pacers.com. Perfect. I'll I'll link it in the episode notes for uh, for for the audience. And um, yeah, uh, Peter, again, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, good luck with the uh, with the rest of uh, the season with the. I think you you mentioned the first game is against 76ers in, uh, in on on Saturday yeah uh, there are yeah there are there are some games which are going to be good for my time zone I think they'll start at, at 11 my time pm so that's definitely the games I'm going to watch <laughs> not sure about the ones at 1 or 2 am because no. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a night uh, night night person but still um personally I'm looking forward to those games and to to just follow the uh, the success and the uh, how the organi- the Pacers organization will go move forward especially on and off the field off the court so um, thanks a lot uh, Peter and uh, stay safe and take care Eugene I appreciate it thank you so much um, best of luck stay safe and healthy and safe travels that was it for this episode I hope you got a lot of value out of it go check out the MVP machine book that Peter recommended and if you have any questions, don't hesitate to email Peter directly. Don't forget to show some love to the podcast and please subscribe to not miss any further action. On behalf of the entire team, thanks for tuning in and looking forward to seeing you in the next episode. Peace. <laughs>